Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Happy Sunday. It's kind of getting to the uh, end of the summer, I mean, at least for the people that I work with, uh, with some middle school and, and uh, high schoolers. Two weeks of summer left, which is a weird thing to think about. If you're, in, if you're going back to school, you know, you might want to plug your ears on that. But uh, we're getting down to the wire. Two uh, awesome things happened this past week. Megan and Adoye had their baby boy, Alexander, Alexander Famadoun. And, uh, and Cody and Kirsty Porter had their boy, Shepard Porter. And so two, two more potential husbands for my little girl, Mari. And so I'm, I'm fired up about that. Um, so our, our message today is going to be really, really simple. Um, and so b- before we get into it, I want to just uh, t- two quick things. Uh, one is that... Uh, you know, for those that don't know me, my name is Nick. My wife, Bree, and I, we work with our youth and family ministry, which is our high school, our middle school students and their families, which um, is about 130 kids and their families, which is a, it's a, it's a great group. And uh, here's a picture of them, some of the high schoolers at the swamp. Uh, they just finished, I think, week five of the swamp, and uh, they got their, their last week, and it's just been an awesome, awesome summer. Sam and uh, Kenzie shared a little bit about it. But uh, you know, one of the things I just wanted to ask is, is we are look, we have an incredible team of youth and family leaders and volunteers, but with 130 kids, we are looking for a lot more. And so we're actually looking for 10 youth and family volunteers or leaders uh, that want to come and just say, hey, I want to mentor and kind of uh, be a big brother or a big sister to some of the teens and middle school kids. So if that's something that you're interested in, please come talk to me. You can find some of our information on our website. You can sign up for our newsletter if you're new and haven't gotten a chance to uh, plug in with some of the things that the youth and family does. Just wanted to, just wanted to put that out there as we're getting ready for the fall. We definitely need some uh, uh, mentors to help our young people go through and navigate um, a crazy world. And so that's number one. The second thing I wanted to just put on your mind is that uh, in, in about a month, month and a half, we're having something called Hero Sunday here at North River on September 11th, which is basically just a, a Sunday. We want, to, we, we want all of us to invite someone that's been a hero to you over the last few, few years. For all of us, it's been a crazy few years, and there's been someone that's been a hero for you, whether that's a, a neighbor or a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or a coach or a family member, and we just want to get some time to honor them after a wild couple of years. And uh, I remember uh, growing up, we had like teacher and Coach Appreciation Sundays, and I remember getting up when I was in third grade and sharing about my third grade teacher and just bawling, you know, because there's, there, there are heroes, you know, to all of us, and we just want to get some time to honor them. We'll have some invitations. Just want to put that out there for you, uh, even as we're ending the summer, getting started with school, just to start some, putting some on your calendar to invite some of your heroes uh, too, which is going to be an awesome, awesome Sunday. So what we're going to talk about today, you know, we've been, we've been going through... Um, the rhythm of life uh, here in, in July. And uh, Jordan kicked it off a couple of weeks ago just talking about setting up your rhythm of life, your rule of life, that structure that can hold the weight of all the fruit, you know, that you bear in your life. But the, a structure that we, go ba- that we go back to that just helps us, um, helps us walk with God in, in just a, a way that we really a way that we really need. Uh, last week we heard about the Sabbath and, and silence and solitude, and and uh, it's been it's been a great couple of weeks. Um, a lot of the practices we've been talking about have been more uh, individual, have been more about you, have been about you know your own time away, silence and solitude, your uh, your own Sabbath day, uh, your uh, your own rhythm of life. 
And a lot of these practices we do on our own are really good. But uh, today and next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we do together. And specifically what we do on Sunday mornings together. Because even after the last couple of years, we're getting back into the, you know, flow of just meeting together. And so to me, it was just, it was just going to be good to kind of, okay, how do we just click back into, what do we do? Why are we here? You know, on Sunday mornings, what do we do? And uh, what are some of the big things that we do together? And just getting a chance to talk about that a little bit. And, uh, because, you know, having other people in our lives is, is vital, is so important. There are certain things about God that are impossible to unlock without other people around you. Because what happens is if it's all about just you and your walk with God, there are things that you do that you do just based off of your own preferences. Based off the things that you like to do that, that kind of speak to you. And what happens is if it's just you doing that all the time, then you start to believe that your preferences are also God's preferences. And that's why we need those annoying people, you know, around us, right? The people that are different than us. The people that think a totally different way. Because there are certain things that are impossible to understand about God without those that are different being in life together with us. It's impossible to do it by yourself. And, 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 and if you try to do Christianity by yourself without a community of people that are different than you, you are going to have major holes in your spirituality. And you're not, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to know God uh, without, without being able to do it with other people. So today what we're talking about is a practice that is very simple. Hearing the word together. Hearing the word together. And then Jeff next week is going to talk about worshiping together. So I want to start off with just a, a, a quick video from uh, the Bible Project that talks about uh, just the idea of, of hearing God's word in groups of people, not just by yourself, but kind of hearing it in groups of people. They do a great job uh, giving an overview of the scriptures. So let's watch that video real quick. I was reading the Bible, which, you know, is kind of hard to do, but I came across this verse that says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching. Yeah, this is in Paul's letter to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he's telling him about ways that he can keep his church community engaged with Scripture. Okay, so preaching the Bible, I get. Teaching from the Bible, I get that too. But what about this reading Scripture together thing? Is that something I'm supposed to care about? Why did Paul think it was so important? Oh man, for Paul, this was a really significant practice for the people of God. Think all the way back to Mount Sinai, where the Israelites were just rescued from Egypt. They're no longer slaves, and they need a new identity, a new story to live by. And so Moses, he gathers the people together, and he reads the scriptures aloud. He reminds them of where they came from, who they are, and the new future that they're called to live for. This was the first public reading of scripture in the Bible. Yeah, and it didn't stop there. When the people finally got into the land, they did it again. Joshua pulled the people together, and they all listened to the scriptures read aloud so they could remember where they came from and how they could keep living as a part of this new story. So this is something they did all the time then? Well, actually, no. After Joshua died, we don't have any more stories of the people coming together to hear God's word. Instead, the people forgot their story and a whole generation arose that didn't know their God or what God had done for them. But then, centuries later, a king named Josiah rediscovered the scriptures, and he was so excited that he called Israel to begin this practice once again. It sparked a renewal movement. That is, until the people forgot once more, and they ended up in exile. 
And so this is why when Ezra and Nehemiah came back from the exile, they needed to remind the people who they are and how they are to live. So this is a powerful practice. Yeah, in fact, reading scripture together became a core part of Jewish life. It was done every week as they gathered in synagogue. Jesus himself participated in this practice. He even launched his mission during the weekly reading of the scriptures. He read from the scroll of Isaiah, and then he told everyone these words were about him. And that brings us all the way back to the early church where Paul told Timothy to keep this practice going to immerse the whole community in the story of the scriptures. Okay, but here's the thing. Most people back then didn't know how to read, so they had to do it publicly. But I can read the Bible by myself. Yeah, and you should totally do that. But don't underestimate the power of this ancient practice. Reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. It can be easy to get distracted. But something happens when you hear God's word read aloud and when you're with other people. And besides, it's really easy. You don't need anyone to preach or teach. You just need to listen to the scriptures and then talk about what you've heard. This is what God's people have always done when they enter into new and uncertain times. They remember their story and who they are through the public reading of the scriptures. Amen. Just a cool video that talks about, man, the importance of learning and hearing God's word together. I think sometimes in our, in our American society, right, we're, we're so individualized so often. It's all about what we do, our own personal relationship with God, what we're studying out, our rhythm of life. And I think it's, 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 it's important to talk about those things, but it's also equally as important to talk about what we do with one another. Um, you know, this is a very, this is an ancient idea. People learned best uh, when they learned together. I want to um, share this quote from this book called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. And uh, this is an awesome book. It talks about how, you know, for, for Jewish people, when they learned, they, how do we tend to learn in our American context? We tend to learn popping your headphones on at a desk, just taking notes, memorizing stuff, you know, and then kind of just more on your own oftentimes. With Jewish people, like back when they were studying the scriptures, they often did it together. They debated one another. A rabbi would say, would kind of throw something out there. And if he didn't get any response back of someone challenging him, he'd be like, hey guys, challenge me. Like that's how we learn together. We sharpen one another that way. We learn by debating and kind of arguing and discussing together. That's how things kind of stuck in their mind the most. I love this quote. It says, it says through the ages... Jewish thinkers have considered it vital to study the scriptures in the presence of other people. A famous line of rabbinic advice from before Jesus' time was this, acquire for yourself a rabbi and get yourself a haver. In ordinary usage, the word haver can simply mean a companion or a close friend. But here, it actually means someone who is willing to partner with you in grappling with scripture and with rabbinic texts. As, criti as critical as it was to study with a rabbi, it was considered essential to have one or two people who could learn right along with you. Was Jesus aware of this approach to study in scripture? Consider the words of the early rabbis who said, when two sit together and exchange words of Torah, then the divine presence dwells among them. Does that sound familiar, that, that particular passage? Now listen to the words of Jesus, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. It goes on, says, you can hardly miss the similarity. Like other Jewish teachers of this time, Jesus affirmed his followers' need for community. 
What's more, since Jesus is himself the word of God, it makes sense that he would promise to be present as we come together to study the scriptures. Our westernized minds may struggle with this idea. We tend to believe that the only way to deeply encounter God is through solitary prayer and study. But Jesus implies that his presence will be felt most often in the presence of a small group of Havarim or friends. You know, this was a really, like, I, I love that passage where Jesus says, man, where two or three are gathered, that I am there with them. And I wonder if he's saying, you know, if you really want to experience my presence, you're going to feel me the most when you're around other people. When you're with other people, that's when you're going to feel my presence the most. You'll feel me on your own by yourself. And there's obviously incredible examples of that throughout the scriptures. But I think when Jesus talks about his body and being and, and, and doing things together, I think we often most feel Jesus. I mean, Jesus is here among us right now. That's what he promises. And so that's why it's so cool getting a chance to be together because Jesus shows up in those moments. And we start seeing Jesus in ways maybe we would never have seen him otherwise. In the last video, it, it talked about, uh, you know, Ezra. And, and there's a really cool passage in Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to read this and then we're going to put this into practice. And then that's going to be the rest of our, you know, the rest of our uh, time. And so in Nehemiah chapter 8... It says in verse 1, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra, the priest, brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand middle schoolers and high schoolers, right? He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand all the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra stood on a platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't weep for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. This is just to me a really powerful moment in God's people where they had not known what God wanted from them. They didn't know, they didn't have the book of the law with them. Ezra brings it out. Imagine being there this particular day. Would you ever forget this day? From early morning, it said until noon, people are listening, they're standing up. They're, they're bowing down with their faces to the ground. It says people are weeping. It says people are shouting, amen, amen. Like there's this commotion going on because they're hearing God's word for the first time. Yeah. 
It's just this powerful, like, imagine us being there. And imagine them just kind of walking away. People are like, and they're like, we got to throw a feast. We got to celebrate this day because we are hearing God's words for maybe the first time in their lives. You know, I think there are moments for us where we have those moments, you know, in our, in our lives where we maybe hear God's word for the first time. And it brings so much clarity and so much light and encouragement and direction to our lives. But I know for me, you know, I've been going to church for a long time. I mean, I have, I have this is an incredible invention, you know, that, like, that no one has had throughout history in the sense of all that we have in the, the Bible put together in this way. On our phones, all the translations, all the different versions. I mean, like... We are so blessed to have God's word. Yet for me, I know it's easy to come to church and sometimes I'm like, okay, you're kind of looking to be entertained or you're looking to say, am I going to get something good out of it? Or is there going to be a funny joke? Something like that. Instead of being like, man, what? I, I just like, I, I want to come to church more with that kind of mindset of those people coming in and just being like, man, I can't wait to hear what God has for me today. What does God have? What does he want to say to me today? What does he say? What, what does he want to say to us? You're coming eagerly anticipating, eagerly excited about hearing from God. And then you're walking away being like, man, I'm so grateful I got to be in God's presence with my brothers and sisters hearing God's word. I just hope we can kind of have that spirit together as we walk into, and I know after COVID the last couple of years, I, I, I know for me, I needed to kind of click into that gear again of just kind of coming to church and being like, you know what? This is really good for me to be here because God has something to say to me. It might be in a conversation. It might be in a song. It might be in a prayer. It might be in a lesson, but he's got something to say to me today if I'm coming in with ears to listen, ears to hear what he has to share for me today. And so what we're gonna do with the rest of our time is we're just gonna read a passage and I'm gonna read it a few times and kind of pause between them. And I want us just to like, just to, just to kind of marinate on that passage a little bit. And just meditate on that passage and just think about a word or a phrase that stands out to you. What jumps off the page at you? And then after we read it a few times, I want us to turn to our neighbor and just talk to the people around us about what stood out to us. And just kind of having a moment where we just kind of discuss it together. Because that's what people did all throughout history is they came together to discuss God's word. And so instead of me talking about it more, I thought it would just be great to get a chance to really listen together. And so the passage we're going to read is, is uh, from Colossians chapter 1. My favorite D groups with my own family group that I have, my own D group um, <clears throat> with some of the guys that, that I get with on a consistent basis, my favorite ones are when we just open up a passage, we just say, we read it and say, hey, what do you guys think? And it just produces some of the best conversations and these, these, these just insights that are of wisdom that are really profound. And uh, we got with Michael and Pedal Walker for lunch the other day and Pedal just asked us, hey, what, what's a scripture that is being, that you're anchored to right now, that it's kind of is tethering you right now? And, and at first it kind of caught me off guard because I was like, I, I'm just not asked that very much. And so, but it was so good just to kind of have that conversation and just hear from people's hearts when we're engaging with God's word together. So we're going to read this passage. I'm going to read it once. And then we're just going to kind of sit in some silence for a moment. I'll read it again, same thing. And I'll read it a third time. And then, I, and then we can talk with the people around us about what stood out to us. It doesn't have to be anything profound. Um, and if, you, if you'd rather, you know, not, that's okay too. But we're just going to kind of create some space in our service to be able to do that. So here in Colossians chapter 1, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, has never actually met them personally, knows that they're facing a lot of pressures and just wants to write this to encourage them. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. 
We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know where they're meeting right here, but just imagine that you were hearing this in Colossae for the first time. Maybe it's at someone's house. Maybe it's a public meeting space. You've never met Paul, but you've heard about him and you're, you're grateful for his influence. You're feeling the pressures. You don't maybe have the scriptures like we have it and you're just kind of hearing, you're, you're hanging on every word, looking for, for wisdom and for guidance. And it, someone stands up and reads this letter in verse nine says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I'll read it this last time. And again, just think of a word or a phrase that jumps out. And then um, afterwards, we'll get some time to talk about it with the, with the people around us for a few minutes. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, 
so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. So for the next five minutes, just get a chance to, with the people around you, just talk about what, what hit you. What, is there a word or a phrase that just jumped off the page? And uh, we'll, we'll give it five minutes, and then I'll come up and pray for our communion.
Amen. Amen. Love hearing the uh, love hearing the chatter. <clears throat> All right, we'll bring it back in. Bring it back in. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but uh, uh, but that kind of stuff is just good for me to kind of like kind of get out of my own comfort zone sometimes, just coming to church and just kind of consuming and leaving, you know, just the chance to talk with the people around me and engage and have space in the service to wrestle with God's word together. I think it's just really meaningful. And I think God wants to, wants to share something with all of us if we're, if we're just willing to, if we're willing to listen. I think God's talking and we just need to present ourselves to listen. And I think each Sunday morning that we gather together is an extraordinary opportunity to hear from God in a way that we don't have any other opportunities to really during the week. And so what did he have for you today? I encourage you to, even as we're talking after service and, um, you know, just as you go home and think about it, what, what did God have for you uh, as you read that passage that maybe he was trying to speak to you um, in particular? I'm going to uh, pray as we, as we, as we take communion together, uh, communion is such an awesome moment to, to do that, to, to ingest God's word, you know, God's life um, in community with one another. So let's pray and uh, we'll, take, we'll take communion together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your words. Thank you that we, we get a chance every week, every day if we want to, to open up your very words and to hear from you to learn from you. God, we pray that you would help us be like that good soil that isn't distracted by the worries of this world, that's not taken up by the bird, that that's just, just takes time to grow down deep, root our foundations in you, on your word. We need that really bad, God. I just wanna pray Well, Paul prayed, God. I pray, we ask you, God, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through this, the wisdom and understanding that your spirit gives so that you may live, so that us, we may live a life worthy of you and please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in our knowledge of you, being strengthened with all your power according to your glorious might, so that uh, we may have a great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to you, Dad who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of your holy people in the kingdom of light. For you, Dad, have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your son, whom you love so much, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. <clears throat>